Hello and welcome to the Cinephile New Wave. I'm Nick. And I'm Duran. <laughs> and today we are discussing David Cronenberg's 2022 film, Crimes of the Future. Not to be confused with the 1970 version, also named Crimes of the Future. That, that's right, Nick. <laughs> that's right, Duran. And uh, Nick, what were some films you watched recently? Well, if uh, you've listened to this Wednesday's episode, uh, I have been watching a lot of TV. This week was pretty much taken up by Stranger Things, The Boys, and uh, Kenobi. And then it kind of followed into today, because uh, I had to watch... I didn't, I didn't have to, but... Um, I watched Miss Marvel, which was... Um, I don't know. It's it's fine so far. It's just sort of a teen drama, which, I, I mean, I'm kind of a bitch for Marvel. I'm really just watching this because it's part of the MCU. <laughs> I don't think I would have interest in this otherwise. I don't know, man. You're also a really big fan of Twin Peaks, another famous teen drama. Abs- absolutely. <laughs> um so wait, what's what's the deal with this? Because then they do like a Captain Marvel, and now there's like so a Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel is like she's she's kind of a spinoff hero. She's she's like this um, Pakistani hero, who's uh was was basically created to be like the the, I think to take on the Captain Marvel role at some point, or they just wanted mm. a Pakistani hero. I think I I I don't really know. I don't know a lot about her history. I just know that they changed her powers for this show and people are mad about it. Um, <laughs> As they are. Um, but I don't know. It's fine so far. It's um, it's very visually creative. Like, a lot of, like, there's just a lot of, like, art going on on, like, the walls and stuff. Like, she'll be talking about, like, one of the Avengers and then, like, on the wall there'll be, like, animated graffiti of, like, an Avenger doing something. And it's, it's kind of cool mm. that way. But, um... Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 all right so far. Kenobi episode four came out today. I watched that. Um, what's nice know, about this is you've that you've been you've been like sour on Kenobi generally, right? Uh, I, it's it's growing on me. Like, it's nice that things are happening in a show for once because Disney Plus shows have a very hard time <laughs> of having things happen in them. Ah, <laughs> so it's it's one of those things where you need to form your own opinion on it because. Like we like we kind of talked about with the Star Wars special, uh, everybody just has a different opinion on this. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, it's like Bardia's favorite Star Wars thing ever. He's like Duran, you gotta watch this. And I'm like <laughs> Bardia, you like the prequels. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not gonna take your opinion on this. I'm sorry. Yeah, for movies, I uh, I watched uh, episode four last night at like one a.m. I have a habit nice. of doing that. Um, <laughs> And I don't know, I I still really like that movie. I think it's like a pinnacle fantasy movie. And that's what really struck home with me on this viewing was like how much of this is just kind of repurposed fantasy tropes. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, a lot, I mean, a lot of like um, classic Hollywood is in there too. Yeah, um, yeah, no, for I know, sure. Like, Rhett would have mentioned Kurosawa. Um, yeah, very, it's very like, it feels very classical. Um, and I do like... Uh, that whole idea of you walk into Star Wars, the original, and you get the feeling that you're walking into, like, some sci-fi serial that you're, like, in the middle of, and you haven't seen, like, the episodes before it, you haven't seen the episodes after it. Yeah. Um, I think, like, Lucas said that he was trying to go for that feeling, so it's pretty yeah. good. I don't know. I th- Yeah, I think it... I know. I know your opinion kind of soured on it the last time you watched it for the special, so... I don't know, I just thought we'd <laughs> bring it up here. Um, yeah, I should probably revisit it. Um, I think the problem I had with it was, like, I really could not see anything under the surface. Though I will admit that the surface is, like, very, very, very good. Um, just, like, on an aesthetic level, the the set design. Um, and, like, the world building, that kind of thing. Uh, done really well. Yeah, I, I, I really noticed the editing this time, which I know you yeah. you also noted. Um, and then Top Gun. I watched Top Gun finally, and nice. I'm going to now go and watch Top Gun Maverick at some point, finally. Um, nice. It was, it was fine. It was, you know, lots and lots of jets and planes with, like, a mediocre romance uh, sandwiched in between. 
Yeah. So, so yeah, that was Top Gun. <laughs> well, um, what have you been watching? The new one will Nick. not disappoint you then. And um, I have been watching. I've also been watching Top Gun. Uh, the new one. I have not watched the original. Um, and I think that we should do a podcast where where you talk only about the original and I talk only about the new one. And <laughs> we just get confused because they're the exact same movie. Awesome. <laughs> I did I did enjoy Top Gun, uh, the new one. You don't need to see the, the original at all. They like over explain it to the point where it's like comical. But it's like a like a terrible movie, but my god, the like the real planes and the shooting on film, I'm a sucker for that. Um, just like yeah, the dogfight sequences, all the all the scenes where they're flying are just incredible. Oh, I didn't um, know it was shot on film. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and also like there's some like meta commentary in it about so like one of the opening scenes, Ed Harris was like the uh, the general or oh, the admiral um, tells Tom Cruise that you know you're like a you're like a dinosaur, Tom Cruise, which is like his name in the movie, Tom Cruise. <laughs> uh, you're you're uh, we're gonna replace you with. Um, like drones and like you know you're not relevant anymore and then tom cruise he he walks out the this door this is literally put... crimes of the future yes yes <laughs> he walks out the door he puts on his sunglasses and he says that's true but not today and <laughs> okay that that's kind of a meta commentary on like the state of the film industry too like you know everything is moving to um cgi and like effects and you know we're seeing like weird shit like ai luke the for death example. of yeah the death of the movie star yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, many people refer to Tom Cruise as, like, the last movie star. Yeah. So, in a lot of ways, like, um, Maverick feels like uh, the end of this kind of, like, classic uh, way of Hollywood filmmaking. This kind of, like, last hurrah. It, so, it's kind of interesting in that regard. Is, but the, it's like, you is know. this the end of 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 the blockbuster era? No, This is the end of not. the blockbuster <laughs> era, Nick. We're not going to have any blockbusters after Top Gun Maverick. I'm sorry, Avatar 2 is <laughs> still coming out, so... Are you sure about? That? I I don't know if it's gonna come out. Uh, Maybe Avatar three December. <laughs> yeah, they're jumping to three. Yeah. Um. So I watched that. Um. I did a big binge yesterday with with Bardia. Watched John Ford's Wagon Master, which was pretty good. Um, nice. Watched Walter Hill's Extreme Prejudice, which I really liked. Um, Walter Hill. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nick homie. and I watched. Nick and I watched The Warriors a while back, and we didn't really like it. But I really like this one. It, it was great. It's like, um, so it's like um, a modern Western in a way. Nick Nolte plays like, you know, the the good old American sheriff with his shotgun. And he's basically fighting against like domestic gladio. It's kind of interesting. interesting. Um, Rabid Dogs, known as Kidnapped. It's a Italian crime film made by Mario Bava. Mario. Yes, yes, yes. What well, is it? Lo- What's it all about? Lay it's down. about... It's very simple. So basically, um, these four robbers rob something, and then um, they get into a car uh, with hostages. And the entire movie is just, like, everyone, like, sweating their balls off as it gets, <laughs> like, tenser and tenser and tenser. Between, dog like, dog Day Afternoon type, type beat. <laughs> Kind of, yeah, even though I embarrassingly have not seen Dog Day Afternoon. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but no, yeah, the, we need so to you, fix that. I know, I need to see that. Um, but yeah, the entire movie takes place like within like this car. Um, and nice. as things like, start to heat up, it's really good. Uh, nice. Have to check yeah, that out. For sure, yeah. And the last thing I'll mention is uh, I watched the 1956-1984 adaptation. <laughs> um, famously the the cia funded this 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 excellent excellent film and definitely not propaganda in the slightest oh of course not you know like when the cia <laughs> funds things it's because like it's because they, they have just good really intentions. like the art no they just really like the art you know <laughs> like the whole like cultural cold war they just wanted to like prop up these great artists like rothko you know it's not because <laughs> they had any kind of nefarious intentions yeah, it was it was really bad. I mean, not not just because the propaganda, but like just as as a film, just very very boring, very dry um, adaptation. Um, was it by anyone, or was it just like some some dude made this because the CIA paid him? <laughs> it was actually by Michael Anderson, who's um, known oh wow, for, yeah, oh, Logan's wow. Run, Around the World, Eighty Days, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> yeah, no, this is nothing to sneeze at. All right. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was like a 
decently big deal when it came out. Um, so the reason why like this film is interesting is because a lot of the the like American uh, critical conception of 1984 today is primarily influenced by the CIA and the way that they used the book as like a propaganda tool during the Cold War. So like um, I was reading this really interesting article about the CIA and their involvement with with the production of this and also um, uh, these like live television BBC uh, plays of 1984 that came out before and how before uh, those TV broadcasts and this film came out, the book was popular, but it wasn't exactly like this huge like worldwide hit and hmm. likely if you know the cia didn't use this as a, as a propaganda tool um we probably wouldn't know about 1984 it wouldn't have as much like cultural staying power to sell those today i mean you still see like you know all these uh genius conservative pundits saying like, we are <laughs> literally living in 1984 today and things like that and like the 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 famous image of of the calendar being ripped back to 1984 exactly exactly <laughs> so like that is actually the worst crime that the cia committed allowing <laughs> that image to exist so yeah it, it is it is pretty interesting on on that level um, but yeah, not exactly a film i would recommend watching i mean i like joe uh logan's run i almost called it joseph's run joseph's run <laughs> um, yeah i don't know i yeah like this guy's this guy's all right like i know around the world in 80 days was like a big deal when that came out so um, yeah, I'm sure that he's not like a terrible filmmaker. I just that like this yeah, film. No, I mean these these things happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of 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 science fiction, as a segue, we watched dystopian uh, Crimes... science fiction in particular. Dystopian, exactly. Dystopian science fiction. We watched Crimes of the Future. Should I try summarizing, or do you want to try summarizing? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, oh, dear lord. Um, okay, I'm, I'm gonna give it a shot. I'm gonna give yeah, it a go, shot. So, go. okay. So, Crimes of the Future takes place in the future, and you have uh, Viggo Mortensen and Leia Sadu playing this uh, couple who does performance art, and their act is that they surgically remove um, new organs from uh, Viggo Mortensen's body. Because apparently in this new world, I guess, like, people are just generating organs, um... It, yeah, it's like an something. epidemic or something. I never really... Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, like, also, I think key to this is that uh, the society has, like, gotten rid of pain. Yes. And, and like, it later gets revealed that Vigo may or may not be working for a certain entity. And it gets complicated. And there's this existence of this kind of... Um, this thing called the cause. Which are, like, people that want to keep these organs inside of them and um, see what happens basically yeah like they're they're trying to evolve into like the next stage of humankind so the um oh and the they, government they uh, should we mention what they eat that might be yeah. important or is that yeah, they, like are we just they, going like, straight into everything sure so okay. they eat plastic um well it's like it's and... not plastic and it's like toxic waste it's like it's yeah. it's worse than plastic right right and um this is a threat to uh the government of whichever country uh this movie takes place in because their their goal is to get rid of all of these new organs um and to maybe like catalog them since they kind of they view it as a, a threat to their power since they, they don't want like these weird new humans walking around i guess yeah um so yeah very it, it's a very hard film to grasp on the first watch yeah, I, mean... <laughs> I so immediately right off the bat, I want to ask, I, I wasn't completely sure what the deal with the two repair women who drilled holes in the dude's heads. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I think I missed what that was all about. So I don't think I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure the film doesn't have an explanation for that. My guess was that they were working for the government or like you know the equivalent of the cia or whatever as like assassins that would that would target the the new body people yeah um, that yeah guess. that's the only real thing that makes that makes sense but it's I, I feel like it just comes in very very quickly and then leaves just as fast i think that the importance of those characters is to show that spoilers obviously so Vigo is an informant for um this government and he's working with 
New Vice, which is this organization that like tracks down the people from the cause and people that commit like or organ crimes or whatever. I think the point of these of these two assassins is to show that New Vice might not even be aware of these guys. Vico certainly isn't aware of these guys, but like um, these two assassins like infiltrate the organization, the uh, like the the artist workshop of like Vico and Leo Sadu. Yeah. So I guess it's to show that like there's a lot of strange nefarious things going on in this world that you know even 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 people within the government aren't necessarily aware of yeah i guess, I guess so yeah i'm uh, i that would make the most sense i guess it's it is it was very interesting what the movie kind of like was vague about and what it like decided to get real specific on mm-hmm. um but i mean you know i guess that's the case with you know most movies that are this kind of detail driven because there's there's a lot going on in here. Yeah. I thought one of the most interesting bits of it was its kind of commentary on medicine and what we do to ourselves to kind of keep ourselves alive. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Did you did you you picked up on that as well or I guess I didn't really pick up on that as much, but now that you bring it up that's kind of interesting. Because like, you know, it goes back to that 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 classic question about science. Sure, like you can do something, but should you? Yeah. That's, uh, I, I felt that a lot during this movie, because, like, I just, I, you know, the chair and the bed and everything's to, like, you know, make it so you don't feel pain, make it so you don't ever hurt. It's just such an unnatural state that we're lifting the body up onto in this in this movie. And, I don't know, you know, I guess that reflects on real life, is, like, we do all these things to extend our lives, but are we supposed to? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely a lot of commentary here about going against nature. What is nature? What should be like the course for humans? Yeah, I like especially with the 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 dining room chair, the like the thing that just kind of rocks you yeah. while you're eating, so that you. My my assumption was that you like digest it in a specific way, so that it's like y- yeah, <laughs> the best it's for like your body. Tune, yeah, yeah, like it's into your eating habits. It's very very strange. <laughs> yeah whenever someone's eating in that i feel like they're gonna like spill something i know <laughs> Kristen stewart's performance in this movie i oh, want to i, I want to yeah. talk about it because like she's like like a wet nervous dog like i don't know what to make of the performance it's so like i think she's just like extremely horny all the time i <laughs> i mean she you, you read horny the... into that I, I there was a bit of horny for sure but I, I don't feel like it was all horny. It was very, it was a big mix of, like, weird, timid, like, timid horny, I guess is is where it, I would put it. It also feels like she doesn't belong in her own skin. Yeah. Like, jump out of that. But, I mean, she does coin the term, surgery is the new sex. This is true. Yeah. Which is, oh, no more a Cronenberg statement than that. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, like this entire movie is definitely playing towards a lot of the uh, Cronenberg tropes. It's like things his his like little like autistic obsessions that he's uh, returned to throughout his career. Something interesting about about Cronenberg. I, I was I was listening to this interview, and he says that he never tries to think about his old movies when making his new stuff. To the point where like he says he has to like have this kind of deliberate amnesia towards his old movies because a lot of people think and and i agree that existence i don't know how to pronounce that it's kind of like this this remix of a lot of stuff that he um visited in like scanners videodrome etc but he always like maintained that no 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 like each each film is its own like unique thing that isn't like influenced by the past and i think that like i think it's impossible for it to be fully disconnected from his old films uh you know you don't just like erase that from your mind this is why he Um, turned down directing the fly too Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, and a uh, universally renowned masterpiece, The Fly Two. <laughs> Fly Two is one of those weird movies that I think I'm hearing has defenders now, but <laughs> that's neither here I mean, nor like, there. <laughs> with all like those kind of '80s horror movies, the effects are like probably going to be sick. Yeah, and even if they're not sick, it will like look interesting in some way. Yeah, no, it's um, it's one of those where it's like a lot of the like monster work is really almost cooler than the first Mm -hmm. it's i don't know (laughs) yeah but i just imagine like as a film it's probably not very interesting yeah no probably not so the the main thing that stood out to me in this film 
I, I really like to view this film in the context of uh, a filmmaker's late style. And I think that there's a lot of commentary here about aging. And like, I don't, I don't want to like generalize too much, but aging does become like a significant factor in the artistic output of like an older aging, like auteur. Yeah. Uh, so like, for example, like Kurosawa said that like when he was younger, he was very like nervous and he would always cut a lot. But as he's gotten older, um, he's noticed that he really just enjoys letting the camera sit and just do these like kind of longer takes like you see a lot in like Ron, for example. Yeah. And um, while I'm not extremely familiar with late Cronenberg, I've seen um, like the two big video movies, History of Violence and Eastern Promises, which are both really good. I haven't seen like A Dangerous Method or M. Butterfly or some of the other ones. So I'm not, I'm not going to say like a... Map overall the stars, statement uh, yeah the, I, I the robert pattinson ones yeah cosmopolis yeah i'm not gonna like have like an overall statement on late grunenberg but i do think that aging is a very significant factor in his filmmaking now so um i read his um intro to kafka's metamorphosis which is really good highly recommend that he uh, compares it to uh the fly of course and in that he says that he uh found this kinship with the the protagonist of Metamorphosis, uh, Gregor Samsa. Like, like Gregor woke up to, to be this, this uh, creature, I, I suddenly woke up and I was a 70-year-old man. And also recently, he did this, like, NFT short film called oh, The Death oh of... Oh, no. The, yeah. <laughs> it's actually pretty good, though. It's called The Death of David Cronenberg. And it's like a one-minute short film where there's, like, a prosthetic of David Cronenberg that's like dead lying on the bed and uh the real David Cronenberg goes up to it and like kisses it and like hugs it <laughs> so um and another short film I saw I did recently was called um at the suicide of the last Jew in the world at the last cinema in the world I believe that's the full title um <laughs> that's, and, and that's about... such a that's such an art <laughs> movie title yeah yeah <laughs> and it's about um Cronenberg who was apparently the last Jew in the world um committing suicide at uh the last cinema in the world i guess the title is kind of self-explanatory <laughs> but anyway this idea of like death aging is is very potent i think in in like late Cronenberg films and i think this is a really yeah. great example because it um, definitely like you told me that and it kind of it completely influenced my reading of the film for sure yeah, yeah, I think that the the biggest evidence of that is um how of course like Viggo Mortensen is um the oldest uh character uh in, in this film like by far like he's probably like in his late 50s if I were to guess. Um probably and yeah. Something. Everyone else is like around like middle age or a little bit younger and his whole like art thing in this movie is that he removes these new organs because he doesn't he wants to keep his body the same as it is. Right. Yeah. And so like he gets criticized by members of the cause for fighting against nature, for like fighting against like the, you know, the, the, the sands of time and uh, denying his, his true nature, which is the next step of human evolution, which are all these strange organs that allow you to digest like plastic. And the last yeah. um, shot of the movie is him finally deciding to keep some of these organs and then ingest that that plastic and like i think the movie cuts after that <laughs> so, it's, so it's kind of him like accepting his, his nature <laughs> you want to hear the 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 really funny haha way to interpret this yeah let's hear it. <laughs> so this is this is david cronenberg accepting marvel movies as cinema because yeah because he's <laughs> he's eating garbage at the end and he's enjoying it <laughs> That's funny. That's good. No, I think I think that's actually um, uh, an interesting thing to point out because, like, I think it's impossible not to view the um, performance art by Viggo and Leia Sadu as this kind of like you know artist insert, yeah, or maybe some kind of like allegory or metaphor for like filmmaking itself. Yeah, I I had a question as to who was supposed to be the director because there's that line about Vigo, like Vigo's like, oh, I don't do anything. She mm -hmm. she does all the work, and it made me wonder if uh, Leah Sedow was is supposed to be the Cronenberg stand-in, and Vigo's just Vigo. Yeah, maybe. I'm not. I'm not so sure. I mean, maybe you could think of it as like I know, like a lot of artists say that 
they're not so much in control of their art as like the art is in control of them like the their oh, ideas and like yeah their art kind of like lead them to the like the finale um yeah. i know like i think like lynch says stuff like that um where like, it's like these ideas they just come to me and they they lead me places that i'm that i'm not sure of you you go fishing for a beautiful idea and it comes out <laughs> as a great big mackerel exactly yeah there's this there's like this false idea that um a lot of like artists and authors uh for example have this like planned mapped out thing for their art so like you know yeah um, a writer <laughs> like <Lucas>. knows <laughs> exactly yeah like a writer like knows you know what's going to happen on page one and then every single thing having every page up to like page 400 or whatever and like this is the case for some artists for sure but um definitely not all of them probably not the majority of them the art just kind of comes as as like you're making it you yeah. know so yeah so maybe maybe like layers to do is like the conduit to art to uh to like Viggo Barnes's art or something like that hmm. i don't know yeah maybe yeah yeah i mean the more abstract you get with that the the more interesting it's going to become i think but yeah it's so this movie made me think about kind of like gore as art <laughs> <laughs> what it means to be stabbed and like well, well, surgery in particular, like what it means to have something that has grown in you or on you to be no longer a part of you. It's it's just like this weird existential feeling that it leaves you with like, like what is surgery at the end of the day? I yeah, don't know. it's I was thinking of it as like uh, in the context of like the sheep, the, the ship of Theseus. Mm or like um yeah uh, yeah yeah that that metaphor is um so like you have this ship and it's getting repaired all the time and eventually like every single part has been replaced and right. is that still that same ship exactly and i was thinking about that in the context of like human evolution as we see in this movie yeah. or even like Vigo getting all of his like organs removed so I, I don't know yeah no that's that's a very interesting way to look at that that's um, but I, I I like how you brought up this idea of gore or like these like organs being like art also. Yeah, because it's it's well like the way they refer to it, the way that they're just like this is something I've made. Like whenever they refer yeah. to an organ in this movie, it's you know I've made this thing. I am making this to be then taken out of me and and made as art i i guess the whole organ growing thing is is very interesting just because no one really knows how it works it just sort of happens and some people like vigo it seems to happen like at will like he can just sort of not not necessarily at will i don't know it, it gets very like gray and it's confusing. complicated because like some people say that he can do it at will and like at times he says he can at times he can't yeah but i mean that could be compared to like an artist right yeah um an artist can't just like force ideas. Um, sometimes do, it's usually... coming to them. Sometimes it's not. Right. Yeah. And usually, if they do, it results in like you know pretty bad art. <laughs> but yeah, this idea of like gore in the human body as art, I think we have to look at like past Cronenberg films that like put that in context. I mean, like you know, it's definitely an, those like old prosthetics. The the way he would do gore in the past, or I mean, it's definitely like art artistic. Yeah it's yeah. not purely like a technical skill there's like artistry involved and in like you know the look of the weird like handgun and uh like videodrome or like the the tooth gun made out of like bones and shit in existence all of example. you know jeff goldblum's various stages in the fly i mean you know people yeah. have to construct each and every one of those like prosthetics and then that horrifying creature becomes a performance for someone which you know that makes it art yeah, yeah, that's true. And, like, more broadly speaking, we can talk about, like, plastic surgery. Yeah. Right? And how, like, you know, the whole, the whole point of that is to, to make you, like, more beautiful. Right? And and we see, like, in this movie how they're having, like, the inner beauty contest where there's, like, a beauty <laughs> contest for, like, who has, like, the most beautiful organ. And, like, you know, in a way that is kind of similar to, like, how we use plastic surgery. The, the way that, like, human beings shape their bodies to be beautiful is very similar to like um to, to to creating art i mean i mean like i think i would say that like a bodybuilder for example it's not just like pure like brute force there's there's some like artistry involved in that you know where where to like bulk up where not to 
yeah it's, uh, it's like it's like a deliberate artistic decision yeah i mean <laughs> hell bodybuilding competitions are, are a thing and it's just like yeah yeah <laughs> it's crazy i i pulled up the wiki and i'm just reading all of these like so this movie was supposed to be made in 2003 really that's interesting yeah and i guess so ralph fiennes was originally uh saul tensor the vigo mortensen mm. um <laughs> nicholas cage passed on it <laughs> oh my god what a loser <laughs> there's a, I, I don't know there's a lot of interesting stuff here but i'd rather i'd rather talk about the meat of the movie anyway so um, I am happy that that Vigo played the main role though, because like I think that him and Cronenberg are very like inseparable at this point. Um, yeah, since I think this is their fourth film together in the last like fifteen years or so. I mean, the the first thing I think of like when I when I think of like late Cronenberg films is is like Vigo's performances. He has such like excellent performances in Eastern Promises and History of Violence, where he plays like kind of like inverse characters. I know that like it's like this this other this other podcaster said that. In History of Violence, Vigo is playing a bad guy who's trying to be a good guy, and Eastern Promises, he's playing a bad guy, uh, a good guy who's trying to be a bad guy. <laughs> kind of interesting. But like, I, I think that placing Vigo there in in that role of like this artist um, reinforces that idea of like him as some kind of Cronenberg stand-in. I mean, obviously, like I don't think the movie is that simple, um, but yeah. I do think it's like an interesting way to like look at it. I'm I'm looking at Vigo right now. What a what a what a handsome chap. He is. He is. He doesn't need surgery to be beautiful. He's already beautiful. So I think I blocked this out of my mind, but I I was reading the plot and I I remembered that at one point there's there's the weird unzipping of of the stomach and Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I literally forgot about it. I think I blocked it out of my mind. I was like, <laughs> I don't want to think about this anymore. Yeah, uh, there's, that, there's that. But that that relates so hard to like Crash and yeah, uh, Crash in particular. I think is what this really kind of reminds me of, especially with the eroticism of the gore, the kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. The like, there's no sex scene in this movie. There's just a scene of a couple cuddling naked while being stabbed. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's quite like it's I can't like I don't you know it's you can see this now. I'm stumbling on my words. I don't know what the hell to make of this. I think that Cronenberg sees like every hole in the human body as something to have sex with. Um <laughs> I I'm not no I'm not that. kidding. Yeah, like um and yeah, the, you made that great connection between like um, gore and like holes and like eroticism in Cronenberg movies. There's that scene in uh, in Crash where um, James Spader like has sex with uh, that that lady's like car crash hole oh, uh, in her leg. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, like that surgery hole. And then like in this movie, like there's you're talking about the, the scene where they have to do like he, he so he in installs a zipper in his stomach. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then Leia Seydoux's first reaction is, what if I unzip this and, and tongued it start a bit? Like, <laughs> yeah, start like licking it, yeah. <laughs> um, you haven't seen Existence, have you? I haven't, but oh, yeah. I, I want that's, to. That's really good, it's one of his best. There's a scene in, there's um this whole thing in that about how the the way that like you play these like VR games and that and that is that the console gets like plugged into like your back oh and <laughs> yeah you have to actually like drill like a hole in like the bottom of your oh, spine it's, oh it's like matrix <laughs> yeah 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 except um so jude law and that asks jennifer jason lee uh why don't these things ever get infected <laughs> jennifer jason lee like opens her mouth and she's like you know my mouth doesn't get infected or like my ears don't get infected <laughs> um they kind of and, and then there's there's of course a scene where um, Jude Law licks the uh, the spine hole of, of Jennifer Jason. Oh my lord! Uh, all starts right. like fingering it. Yeah. Very <laughs> all right. Very Cronenberg. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No, I mean there's there's all this. I mean like the <laughs> the think about like Videodrome and yeah. like the um, no. I'm it's like it's everywhere. It's yeah. It's really everywhere in his stuff. There's like that um, like uh, what's his name um. The main character james woods James Woods, yeah, yeah james woods he, he literally has like a chest vagina <laughs> yes. where he puts vhs tapes inside 
I so you saw the original Crimes of the Future and yeah. didn't like it very much. What is what is that like? Um, I have to kind of give him credit because it was basically it was like a movie done like on zero dollars, like all I think it was like all independent. That and like the movie came out he did it before called Stereo. It doesn't share much with uh, this new film, Crimes of the Future, just really the title. Though of course there's still like that like body horror obsession and this idea of like human beings like going into nature though I, I don't know i mostly found it just kind of like edgy unnecessarily edgy not not very interesting <laughs> as you know that that's usually what an early era genre filmmaker looks like yeah yeah like I, he didn't really he hasn't really like figured out he definitely like has all these great ideas but he hasn't really figured out how to put them in like the media of cinema quite yet yeah um specifically in like you know telling a story and, and all of that um but i mean you know he he learned pretty pretty soon enough oh um i i kind of said this a little at the beginning but i i just really love the production design of this um yeah just how like this is kind of what i imagine 1984 to look like mm. when i'm reading it as as a book like especially those kind of like old dilapidated buildings with like with like the weird Geiger chair inside, like there's just it's it's a very shitty infrastructure with a lot of modern like weird technology that shouldn't be there, and that's what it kind of like reminds me of in its production design. Yeah, I really like the um the colors, like the there's a lot of like blacks and browns and like dark reds. Yeah. Um. Yeah, everything kind of looks like run down and like rusted. Like a two thousand eight Xbox three sixty video game exactly exactly <laughs> that's exactly what i was thinking yeah and i mean it's like a it's a really good use of the budget i mean assume that the budget the budget for this was let me see. even listed on wikipedia uh -oh. but i assume it was like pretty low and like it's a it's a great use um to like show because i think the movie's mostly an interior yeah have, like, i mean know, those... there's there's a handful of shots but yeah this is mostly an interior movie yeah and i mean like everything just like looks excellent like uh the autopsy chair yeah for example looks looks so cool um you have that like big room where they perform their their artistry they yeah well like even art, yeah so even even like the bed like it's just like a weird gross living looking thing and it's yeah like a, like when the hand where the hands attach and it looks like it's like the tentacle of a creature not not some piece of technology yeah, yeah. Of course, you have like the classic melding of like metal and flesh that yeah. Cronenberg loves. Oh, um, I, I keep bringing up ex existence, but there's a great example of that because like the video game console in that is like just like this gross like mound of flesh that like pulsates. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What what do you make of like the ending and kind of like some of the loose threads that are left hanging? Because like the movie does end kind of abruptly. Yeah, so I mean, like I said, I was I was trying to figure out I suppose the ending with um the the drill kill. They are the driller killers after all. Uh <laughs> that I I guess that just kind of clears up their plan to like make this go big because I so did it work at the end? I I feel like I couldn't no. I couldn't tell what was accomplished at the end. So it was kind of confusing. So what happened was that the guy from the cause whose like boy was being cut up. Yeah. Um, he wanted to show the world that like proof of this uh like organ system, I forget the word exactly, that um is able to like chew up these plastics and digest them. Yeah. Because that would that would be proof that like, you know, this is kind of the next step of human evolution and that these new organs are not just like tumors. Yeah. Was it but, was, was it sabotaged at the end? I I Yeah. I think I'm blanking. <laughs> Yeah, it was sabotaged. It was kind of unclear in the movie, but it was sabotaged um, because, like, all the organs were kind of, like, gross and, like, rusted and, like, old-looking and, like, green. Remember, like, people were, like, puking? Yeah. Um, so I think I think the implication there was that it was sabotaged okay, probably yeah. by, like, so, so the drill people. It is revealed that his natural organ system has been surgically replaced. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was probably... Um, done so by like the drill people I probably assume. yeah okay um, okay yeah all right that's yeah. this is all making a little more sense yeah it, it is it is pretty confusing because uh, like the film doesn't really tell you like what you're yeah but to be it's at. like it doesn't even really matter because it's just kind of interesting nonetheless 
Yeah. But for the specifically like the the very end kind of shot, I don't know. I cuz I was reading it kind of like it being Cronenberg, I was assuming that it was just him being like cinema and art as I knew it has changed and I just kind of need to accept this. But yeah. I mean it also yeah. probably has to do with, you know, growing old and, you know, accepting that things things around you are changing and you have to keep up or die yeah i mean i don't think those two interpretations are like contradictory at all like they, no, they yeah. definitely work yeah and the, the sense of like except like uh, letting go of the old and accepting the new yeah um, just like in general both on the level of art and maybe like on like a personal level as well yeah I, so yeah i don't know i mean i really really quick like yeah. uh like in something that would back that up is that like the clothes that Viggo wears all the time in this movie are like all black and like he covers his face all the time uh, when he's like out in public. So he's kind of like maybe denying how he actually looks like, maybe like denying his aging. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. What did, what did you make of, I mean, anything other than that for, for the ending? Uh, yeah, I think that that's mostly what I thought of it. Um, in terms of like the, um, a lot of the the plot lines that were left kind of hanging. I did like how there was all these implications of like the larger worlds and the kind of like nefarious goings on of whatever government is in control of this country. And like their their like attempts to put down and like deny yeah. the, the possibility of like these new humans. Yeah. I thought that was that was kind of interesting. It felt um, yeah, it felt uh, like dystopian in that way. Right, yeah. And to have like Vigo working for them was kind of interesting because like I'm I'm like a complete conspiracy theory like crank but like um (laughs) something something I mentioned this before about like the CIA and funding that 1984 adaptation there was a lot of art that was being funded by the CIA during uh the Cold War period there's this whole thing called the cultural Cold War and it's kind of interesting to see that like Vigo in this movie is almost uh an agent of a cultural Cold War yeah yeah i mean like he his art is all about the old body the like the old the old like humans denying kind of like the new and uh, of course that's like a convenient political tool for the government in this movie yeah one other thing that i just wanted to mention quickly was um howard shore's music is really good in this movie yes like i totally agree it it comes in at the beginning and like it just I don't know like I fell in love with it like it was just really good. Yeah, I think I I love Howard Shore's stuff, especially with Cronenberg. I think this is definitely one of his best scores. Thing like that and like Eastern Promises are some of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, I I saw that he was like a regular uh, composer for um, Cronenberg, and I I don't even think I knew that, but um, yeah. So he actually cool. did every Cronenberg movie after The Brood, which was like 1979, um, except for The Dead Zone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I think, I'm I'm pretty sure that Shore got his start, like, with Cronenberg, or at least, like, because I think, I, I believe he's also Canadian, and that that, that kind of, like, scene, no, and, and then eventually, like, yeah, he, like, transitioned to, and he, he's, like, known most for, like, the Lord of the Rings score now, right? Uh, I, I think so. Yeah, so I, I'd say... Lord of the Rings is probably his most famous. Um, I, I'm struggling to think if there's anything else. Uh, it's just not coming to mind. Uh, I don't know. Saturday Night Live, apparently. Saturday Night Live, yeah. baby. He's run, um, He's won three Academy Awards, three Golden Globes, and four Grammys. Sick, yeah. dude. Good for you. <laughs> oh, he made Big. He made the score for Big. Everyone's nice, favorite nice. Tom Hanks movie. Yes. <laughs> Oh, he made the after hours score. Never mind. This guy's this guy's way cool. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he's he's great. Yeah, I was, I was disappointed that none of the um, none of like Cronenberg's like old cinematographers came back for this movie. I think it was just like who does he some... usually use? So yeah, yeah. So Cronenberg's uh, cinematographers. He's got um, Mark Irwin, who's done The Fly, Videodrome, Scanners, a few other ones, and then he also has Peter shiziki i think who's done crash history of violence existence Eastern promises etc etc so i think yeah those are like his two main ones i think that for for this one uh crimes of the future it was a nobody um douglas coach 
never heard of him. He's Canadian. I wonder if he's gonna. Um, is this is this guy gonna blow up? We'll see. Probably. I, I would assume so. Uh, he has won honors at the Canadian Screen Awards and Canadian Music Video Awards. So oh, he's a big sick, guy, dude. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Keep keep uh, <laughs> keep keep taking those dubs, King. <laughs> keep canadaing. Keep canadaing. Absolutely. Yep. No, don't 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 do that. Don't do that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> any last words on uh, Crimes of the Future? See it, man. Just just go and see it. Yes. Just go and see this because like movies like this just don't come out often enough, and all the support means everything to to you know movies like this that are that are weird and, and interesting and very much not like anything else you'll be seeing in theaters any time this summer so yeah i mean kind of like top gun maverick it, it kind of feels like the the last of its kind yeah i mean like cronenberg is definitely getting up there uh i mean i can't even think of like an interesting body horror film that's come out anytime recently i mean even cronenberg's last one was like over 20 years ago <laughs> well um, hold on now don't forget about Brandon Cronenberg. That's true. That's true. That's true. Um, I can't the, even remember the, the superior what the name filmmaker. Is. I can't even remember the name. I, I did not like Possessor. Right. Yeah, but I, I felt like I, I, I definitely felt right. like it was like it just, it just felt like a like a cheap ripoff. I don't know. Like yeah, like he was even. I don't know. You know, it it was very much like influenced by his dad, which you know it makes sense. <laughs> but even if like it wasn't, even if he wasn't like uh Cronenberg's dad I mean son um it, it would feel like kind of a cheaper buff I don't know that, yeah. that is kind of my opinion though yeah I don't know it's uh I'm I'm more interested to see where Brandon's career goes than anything else I think yeah we shall see but we um, shall see. as for right but I'm, now, I'm glad the I'm, king is back I'm I'm more excited about where our old pal David is going to go after this because he says he has a few plans and all of them sound very exciting and enticing. One of them's with Vigo again, so hell yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I heard he was going to maybe do one with uh, Kristen Stewart and uh, Robert Pattinson as like a reunion film. Which yeah, I, I heard that too. <laughs> that would be, I'd love that. Yeah, I mean, I think they're both very, very talented actors in their own right. Yeah. I think she might be my favorite performance in this movie. Absolutely. Maybe. I mean... Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely the one I'm gonna remember the most, just because it was you know, <laughs> performances like that don't happen often. Yeah, very like she seems like almost too over the top for this film, <laughs> but like I think that was like definitely intentional. Yeah, awesome yeah. man, awesome. Well, all right. Um, well. Thank you for uh, for listening, and until next time, where we will talk about some Netflix, other movie, the streaming age, and things like that absolutely i just that's all right. that's all i say is yeah and absolutely absolutely <laughs> anyway goodbye. <laughs> goodbye but that wasn't the end of the episode in the post-recording session nick and duran decided to record their thoughts on the upcoming masterpiece by todd phillips joker 2 i swear to god i will start recording this it, right now it, i did okay <laughs> let's so talk we're about... talking we're talking about Joker, Joker two. 2. Oh my lord. I can't wait to be so nervous in a theater again. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. It was so funny. Like the, the press leading up to Joker. Like the, the like live media saying like, you know. Everyone, everyone cause, is like, going to get shooting. shot. We're all gonna, they're all gonna die. You fucking gamers and shit. Was, it was so funny. Was, oh my god. No, it actually worked on me though. Cause like I was. I oh was no, it worked on everyone. Fight. Everybody thought yeah. they were gonna die going to the first showing of Joker. <laughs> no, I remember when, when we were watching, I, I think we watched together, right? Um, yeah, AFI. yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> every single like single man that was like carrying a backpack and like walked <laughs> in the back of my mind. <laughs> I was like, oh god, please. <laughs> please yeah, no. Yeah, dude, like, what What are they gonna do for Joker 2? <laughs> Where's so, it gonna go? So, there's a little bit of French in the title mm -hmm. that translates to Madness for 2. Oh, and I'm okay. so worried that this is about Harley Quinn. Are they gonna bring, like, Margot Robbie back? But she's, like, no, who would now? Who would be the ultimate <gasps> Rooney Mara? Rooney Mara. Rooney Mara. <laughs> Rudy Mara, yeah. Harley Quinn. Like, corked up, 
Rooney Mara, Harley Quinn. Because <laughs> I, I don't think that they would do Margot Robbie if this is going to be about her. Yeah. Man, <laughs> that's going to be so fucking confusing. Because now, because you have like, you have the, um, the new Joker, right? The, the British guy. What's his name? Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know, Barry of, Barry Kilgan or whatever however Barry you say Kilgan that. Joker. So you have, you have that Joker now, and then you have Jared uh, Leto's Joker, which may or may not be dead. Well, we don't know. I don't think I don't think that's coming back. I think I think the Snyder Cut was the last hurrah for that Joker. We live in a society. We live in a society, man. Jared Leto is so up with the memes. You see that? You see that? Uh, then Morbius video he did. Yeah. Did you Did you see who the uh, the script was by? No. It was, it was by like some Doctor Seuss character. Yeah, he's definitely one of the funniest in Hollywood. Absolutely. Allegedly, 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 allegedly. I'm making this claim. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know what they're gonna do with this because, like, the whole selling point behind the original Joker was that it's gonna be like this return to like the '70s and '80s like psychological drama. What it's is. it's gonna be based on Last Temptation of Christ and No Way Home, <laughs> but like you can't have a movie like that in a franchise, right? You can't you can't like make a series of like Taxi Drivers. It does not work like that. <laughs> Why I mean, not? I, well, I, I actually I think like Schrader and Scorsese were like approached several times to make like sequels. At one point, like um, I was Last reading about Temptation how like of Christ too. <laughs> I was reading about how like there's gonna be like this video game adaptation of Taxi Driver that got like really what? Oh, yeah. I dude the the late two thousands era of like well it was like late to mid where they were just yeah. like Scarface video game Godfather video game. We were we were robbed of a Morbius video game. Oh man. my the dude the Morbius the, on DS. The DS Morbius mock up is like the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it's awesome. The graphics wow. are stolen from an Alien uh, Metroidvania game that I played. <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah I, I just like i remember also like when when the movie came out that uh joaquin's like uh i will only do this if it's like a one one-time deal i'm not gonna i'm not gonna become joker again <laughs> and like they gave him like a billion dollars and he's like all right oh, i'll be joker again i'm gonna get my i'm gonna get another oscar for this role <laughs> it's just so it's so stupid i just oh well i think it's interesting in a sense that it shows this like gesture of to to like ape the aesthetic of like what people think as a quote unquote art movie. Yeah. And then placing that within like the superhero confines will just like not work. Yeah. Because I like mean, the whole the whole thing about these these films that they're franchise films. Yeah. Right? It was you have to, like, it was very it. interesting that this was kind of the first R-rated movie to make a billion dollars cuz like was it really? It, that's so telling like of of what like it's just such the epitome of like what cool people try and think joker and the batman is yeah yeah the the main problem i had with the movie was that it's very it, it's it does this thing where like a filmmaker watches a movie that he really likes like like todd phillips the the most genius filmmaker to ever exist <laughs> Watches the movie really like Taxi director Driver. director of, of Hangover Part 3. <laughs> yes. He watches a movie like Taxi Driver. He watches a movie like Raging Bull. And he's like, you know what? Why don't we make these kind of movies today? And it's like, you, you can't just like lift a cultural like trend. That's like, that, 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 that's like, sure, this is like some kind of subgenre. Like this was, like this the... was so much a product of its era. You were not supposed to touch this again exactly yeah and he just like okay i'm gonna set the my joker film of the 80s or like like purely oh my like, god if this reasons. one takes place in the 80s i'm gonna scream i'm gonna <laughs> scream it has to right i must they're gonna do like old age makeup for joker or something oh my god <laughs> but yeah it's like it's completely like anachronistic kind of and like um it's just not relevant at all the reason why taxi driver is a good movie is because it's like relevant to that era yeah um, i mean i guess in a sense joker is relevant to our era and that like you know everything well, is being recycled it's more indicative context, of like very like postmodern. yeah sense. it's it's more indicative of like corporate culture than it is like culture culture that's true yeah so i i, I don't know what he's gonna do 
for this film. I mean, I know that I'm going to watch it opening night. Oh, absolutely. That, that shit's going to uh, be no, hilarious. I'm, I'm not missing this, even though I think this is the <laughs> worst thing ever. Yeah, uh, I mean... do we? Is there anything else we even know about this? I don't, I don't think so. What's it called? Like, Joker Menage a Trois? <laughs> Folie à deux. I if if my French is correct, it may be completely fucking off, and I just you know butchered a butchered a word, but I I know that du is du and ah is probably ah, so it's it's just the first word. So Joker won won the Venice. You think this film will win? Can this is this is gonna win the Oscar? This is it's gonna win all of them. This is this is going home with everything. Yeah, this is yeah, they're in yeah. it to win it this time. They're gonna they're gonna be Avatar two at the box office. They're gonna get the Oscar this year. James Cameron's gonna get beat up by Todd Phillips. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be wonderful. <laughs> it's actually crazy how many pity Oscars that Joker got. Because like, <laughs> well, because like I think the, the the Academy just like hates movies that like regular people watch. You know, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and 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 they're like. I, I need to give uh, an Oscar to this like indie drama talking about like race from like a 1950s perspective that we haven't evolved from at all. Yeah, it's um, it's. Uh... But like uh, to this movie because like there is some gesture to what they consider to be art. They're like, yeah, you can give uh, Joaquin Phoenix best best Joker. Yeah, best, they best they actor. they talked about like social issue. Yeah, yeah, mental illness is bad. I mean, uh, like, and and like the they the, didn't the even take industry. that stance. <laughs> okay, wait. Uh, the the American healthcare industry is is bad. I I feel like and, uh, like the message of Joker was like society is tearing itself apart. Doesn't that suck? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I just I hate. It really pisses me off when movies use like politics and as like an aesthetic. <laughs> right because like because like this movie is on the surface political and about like political issues but like like do we even know what it's about all we know is that like people in this movie rise up against the rich or whatever like, yeah we have like no like coherent and, idea of, like, and meanwhile meanwhile your your hero quote-unquote is one of the most famous villains of all time <laughs> yeah <laughs> So the movie is actually about how if you rise up against the rich, you are the bad guy because <laughs> you shot Robert De Niro live on stage. <laughs> Dude, what if, what if Batman's in this movie? Oh no! All right, who's gonna be, who's gonna oh, be who's gonna be Batman? No. Why did you be put Batman this and thought in my head? <laughs> it's gonna happen. I mean, like he's gonna get. We're like, gonna get the... a time jump, and we're gonna get like a young Batman fighting. <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix, <laughs> why did you do this to me? It's gonna be like um, a Twilight era Robert Pattinson, like AI H down. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Oh. You know he's he's gonna be in like I, the after oh, credit scene. Who's or something. who's like? Who are they gonna choose? Who's Art House Batman? Art House Batman. Um, who's like the Joaquin Phoenix Joker of Batman? <laughs> it's Viggo Mortensen in Crimes of the Future. Viggo Mortensen. <laughs> he's, make, he's got the all black look. That'd make no sense. <laughs> yeah. Oh, who's Timothy they Chalamet? Like... <laughs> yeah. Timothy Chalamet. We yeah, did it. I was boys. thinking like I was thinking like Tom Holland or something. <laughs> oh my god! Tom Holland is yeah. a as a art house Batman. Dude, I like I'm I'm so sick of Timothy Shamale. I've been like uh I've been I've been fed too much Shamale in the last few too years. Too bad. Too bad Wonka's um, coming out and it's going to be wonderful. That's true. The the Willy Wonka prequel known as Wonka. Um Dude, did uh, I don't I don't think I told you. I said it on the podcast, but I I watched the fucking 2005 version. Oh yeah. Oh my lord. I think I love that movie. <laughs> I it's, really liked it when I was a kid, but I haven't seen it since. Like it's like, it's so good. It's it's so wacky and off the walls, and like none of it makes like any coherent sense whatsoever. <laughs> it's it's oh, it's got that Tim Burton auteur's touch. All of like his his weird German expressionist house in the middle of like regular London. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's oh uh, and. Like I, I think they do a better with the factory, honestly, in in the remake. Like how how like weird and like kind of like crazy it's supposed to be. 
Because in the normal one, it's the the like seventies one. It's just like, it's just like a factory. It's just like a a relatively normal chocolate factory at some points, but mm. this is like you're on a boat in this endless river of chocolate, and like <laughs> there's there's cotton candy sheep, and it's I don't know. I just feel like they get like weird with the candy ideas in like the best way possible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they got, like, a real freak to play Willy Wonka, too. Like, Amber Heard. I'm Absolutely. Up. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I, I don't even... Okay, don't even between know. Joker and Joker 2 and Wonka, which movie are you more excited for? <laughs> Joker, the movie that's already come out? Um, yes. <laughs> I I can't say I'm excited for Joker because it's already out. Um, okay. I Probably Wonka because Paul King joint. We need to just like end movies. It's it it's over. They had a good run. I mean, it's like been like over a hundred years, but it's like it's over, man. I think I think we should put it to bed. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know what to do anymore. Well, I know what I'm gonna do. What's that? End this recording. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. We're just rambling.